Welcome to Dropping In, a podcast of storytelling and interviews with your host, Winter Olympian Mercedes Nickel. for dropping in today. This is Series 8, the final episode of Series 8, and we will be dropping in with Soldier On Athletes. Now, if you don't know what Soldier On Athletes are and what the program is, it's so amazing. It's a program of the Canadian Armed Forces, which contributes to the recovery of ill and injured Canadian Armed Force members, Forces members and veterans by providing opportunities and resources through sport, recreational, and creative activities. Honestly, I've had a blast dropping in with these past soldiers, veterans, and they've shared their stories with us, and we have one more for you today. Let me introduce the guest that we will be dropping in today. This is episode 73. He served in the Canadian Armed Forces for almost 19 years with the 3rd Battalion Royal Canadian Regiment at the at CFB Petawa and was injured on December 5th, 2008 when an IED exploded resulting in the loss of both of his legs and a, and catastrophically injuring his arms and hands. He was declared clinically dead twice. He spent 14 14 months at the Ottawa Rehabilitation Center. He underwent 18 surgeries and 18 blood transfusions. The blast forced him to retire from the military. He faced issues with mental health and depression while he was attempting to find a new sense of normalcy in his life. In 2016, he met Prince Harry, who personally challenged him to join Team Canada at the 2017 Invictus Games in Toronto. He said, challenge accepted. He took this challenge seriously, winning two gold medals in indoor rowing at the Invictus Games in 2017. And if rowing wasn't enough, he then went on to master the para-canoe, winning three gold medals with his team at the 2018 Ontario Sprint Cup and three medals at the Para-Pan American Canoe Championships. He was awarded the military, the Medal of Military Valor when he was a soldier serving in Afghanistan. The Medal of Valor noted, noted his selfless and tenacious actions. He was also awarded a Soldier on Unconquered Award. He, has his, he had his sights set on representing Team Canada at the Paralympic Games in Tokyo, having competed on the national team for four years, bringing home multiple medals, but missed out on the spot. Now, deciding to retire from competitive sport, it only took him about eight weeks before he was approached by paracycling that community. He is now out of retirement from sport and has his eyes set on being selected towards being on Team Canada for the 2024 Paralympics in Paris. This has been award winner, Team Canada athlete, Soldier on athlete, Invictus game athlete, Para Pan Am Games medalist is up for any challenge, it seems. He's going to be dropping in today. Let me introduce Mike Troner. Okay, are you ready to drop in today? Are you ready? Are you ready to drop in? Uh, I am. You're talking to the viewers. <laughs> 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 no, that's all for you. Um, okay, so we start with rapid fire. That's never rapid. The guests get to know you a little bit better. So number one, where in the world are you today? 
Uh, I still live outside of CFB Petawawa in Pembroke, uh, probably about 6,000 kilometers from Vancouver. But uh, yeah, it's been home for the past almost 20 years. Amazing. Number two, what drew you to enroll into the military? <laughs> I didn't want to become a hero. I didn't actually think I would go off to join the military to do anything substantial. Yeah. My buddy actually wanted to become a chef. And oh. he dragged me, he dragged me in with him. He's like, you know, you got to come check it out, come check it out. So I agreed. And then the, the recruiter right away looked at me and he said, oh, you'd be perfect for the infantry. And I'm like, what's the infantry? And he says, oh, you get to travel and, you know, shoot guns and blow stuff up. And I, of course, being a young guy, I was all about that. Right. So I signed up. Amazing. What year was that? That was in 1999, January. Wow. Okay. Um, number three, how many different locations were you stationed? I spent my whole career here in CP Petawawa, but uh, I've served in Bosnia, Afghanistan, and I've been posted to different bases for short periods of time to act as an instructor. Uh, I served at, at a Kingston for a little bit uh, as an instructor to officers before they went overseas to Afghanistan. Man, being deployed, that's something else. Rhonda's, um, one of the questions that she answered was that was like the biggest risk she'd ever taken. So, uh, so much respect to all of you. Um, okay. Number four, if you were into sports before or during your service in the military, what were those sports? In high school, I played some football. Uh, I used to go to St. Charles High School in Sudbury, Ontario. Okay. And I was just a defenseman because of my size, but <laughs> I never kept it up for very long. And uh, I guess I was always good at running, even though I kind of didn't like it very much. Okay. But I, not that I was going to be a sprinter. And, uh, you know, as a kid, I did uh, some canoe kayak. So that's actually what oh, I, okay. I got into. Yeah. Uh, shortly after my injuries, I joined up with Canoe Kayak Canada and Canoe Kayak Ontario. And I paddled with them for four years. Yeah. Uh, and then after... Um, after Tokyo was finished and, uh, you know, I just needed a little bit of a break. Uh, oh, only what did I, what did I say earlier? You took eight, eight weeks. I took, took eight weeks eight, off. Eight week retirement. And then cycling Canada is like, we want you, we want you. <laughs> I was approached by the cycling community just because, uh, they knew that I had already, already done some cycling before in the past. And they said, uh, give me a, give me a couple of weeks just to think about it. I just. <laughs> I'm getting off this high from, from Tokyo. And then that was really stressful enough. Yeah. So after eight weeks, I said, okay, I'll, I'll give it a go. And I tried it out, but I actually competed. I got uh, double silvers this year in defeat Montreal. Oh. And then they sent me to, uh, to race in Quebec city at uh, the world cups for 2022. I placed 12th in the world. It's not oh, as, as great as I would have liked. Yeah. It's not as great as I would have loved to do, but I mean, now, do you prefer I just do you prefer cycling over canoeing or paddling or uh, what, what, what it's completely say? it's completely different yeah no that's true uh yeah so cycling is all distance and yeah. paddling is completely just sprinting so the things I, I liked about canoe kayak was you know it, it was it was right up my alley I was really good at the strength type sports mm -hmm. um but I really didn't like that whole sense of feeling that you're putting your body into that state where your heart rate jumps up to 200. So you're so you're reaching the max zone pot capacity right away instantaneously. Where cycling, I get to actually gradually get there. So it's a little more forgiving, if that makes really sense. Fair. 
Yeah, that. that's totally fair. Oh my goodness. Uh, I just love learning that from other people. So this is great. <laughs> um, number five, we kind of just touched on this, but what was the first sport you were introduced to in the Soldier On program? It was actually rowing and paracycling. Okay. Now, rowing, the only reason I didn't get more heavily involved in rowing was because I, you know, I really didn't want to dedicate the 10 to 15 years because rowing is, it's very, it's a very stacked sport. Like it's, it's an advanced sport, right? So you have to be incredibly good to do it. Uh, and with cycling as well, too, it's, yeah. it's an advanced sport, but I've seen a better opportunity in cycling. Now with cycling, I actually hated it immediately. And it's because when I went with the, with the, you know, soldier on, they, they were about safety and things like that too. So we had to wear the big orange vests and the big goofy helmets and we had blinker lights everywhere. And Okay. It's like, look at me, I'm disabled. Look at me, I'm disabled. And that's what I hated the most right. about it. But after I got to meet other athletes, able-bodied and para-athletes as well, mm -hmm. uh, it, it wasn't about that. It was about how well you can race and, uh, you know, what competitions you can race in. And, and, and I really liked that aspect of it too. That's what I found super interesting chatting with Rhonda was that um, for her, it wasn't so much about the sport, but being around the other people and, and same with Rainbow as well. And I think that's that's so important to find your community as well. It is. Yeah. Uh, and, and when I was a Canoe Kayak Canada too, we we intermixed the team. Yeah. I mean, it, it wasn't about whether you were an Olympic or Paralympic athlete. Everybody usually would train together and we live together and we yeah. eat together I and that. And I, and I like that. They didn't make you actually see your disability. You're an athlete and that's what you're there to do. Totally. Um, I do want to touch on how, how did you row and paddle? You know, you, you, your hands um, have had some issues. So what, what do you do to adapt with that? And can you let, let the listeners know what happened to your hands? Sure. So from the blast, I mean, I can actually show people too. So okay. I got the claw happening here. I can't actually make a fist. Okay. So my, my left, best. my left hand got broken in 25 places and this arm got broken in three major places. Uh, that was and not then... <laughs> Googleable. That's your left hand and arm. Yeah. It's it. That's just the left side. And then the right side, uh, I have extensive damage to the right side as well, where they had A to rebuild my entire scar. arm. Huge scar all the way down. And then my thumb had to be reattached. So I got a bit of damage throughout. Now with rowing, with rowing, I need a, a specialty grip to actually be able to hold on to the oars. Okay. But now when I was paddling, I just had to paddle on my left side of the boat. So okay. my left hand was just guiding the paddle, but my yeah. right hand is actually pushing into the water. So but that's you don't need like a strap or anything for your for your left hand? Not when I was paddling, okay. no. Uh, okay. I, ordered, I ordered a custom paddle. And what I did was I just built it up with grip tape. And just to limit the, you know what it's like when you go for to see the classifiers, they, yeah. they really, you can do this and you can't do that. So I, I really wanted to make it minimal right. and it really worked out for me actually. Okay. And so I know rowing, you just get so many blisters on your hands. Yeah. Do you have feeling in your hands? Like, is that, you feel those blisters? I, I do. And <laughs> So with rowing and paddling and cycling all combined, I mean, I, I kind of get the same thing. So my, my right side of the arm, yeah, I'm, I'm missing the artery there. Oh. So, and my left side, all the arteries are actually burnt to a crisp. Like they're, they're gone from the blast. So um, I don't feel pain like other people do, Yeah, but I, I do get like a huge buildup of lactic acid and things like that. So I definitely feel fatigue, but okay. I don't feel pain. 
And when it comes to the blister, certain areas I can feel and certain areas don't. Okay. Uh, and one of the major issues I have with cycling is my right arm, after I go do, say, 100 kilometers, my right arm will completely go paralyzed and I can barely feel it or use it anymore. So, um, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a bit of a challenge. Like, okay, <laughs> the blisters are like the least of your worries. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Who, who cares about blisters? I can't feel my arms. <laughs> I don't even know. I'm like, oh, that's that's wild. Okay, so then, uh, is there a maximum that you um, cycle because your no. arm goes numb? You just no, not at all. Her. No, no, we you we just, just like, keep going. One arm going. Yeah, well, you just you just keep pushing. I mean, I could still use the muscles. I could still use uh, with cycling. We're using a lot of our shoulders. Yeah. So I'll just make my shoulders kind of pick up the load. And I try to shake it off as I'm going. I shake off my arms and and usually the the feeling will eventually come back. Oh but I've had it happen during races, even in international races. I was over in um uh sorry, I was over in Hungary racing in Zagat, okay. and my arms completely went numb as my heart shot up to like 202, which is ridiculous. Oh and, but I, I still I still managed in uh, in paddling that time to, to come in second place. So I was pretty happy. Oh. But oh you see, it's, when it when it comes to para athlete, it's everybody else understands. They get it, right? Yeah, yeah. So I can complain about my arms going numb, but the other guy says, "Oh, I can't feel my spinal cord because I'm I'm paralyzed, or oh. I can't feel my legs because you know I have spina bifida or something." You know, like everybody they get it from a different perspective they understand yeah, yeah that's nice and here i am like what <laughs> <laughs> and we're opening that conversation which is amazing i mean that's how it should be people should know and i think that's great um okay back to the rapid fire we are in number six okay. this is this is the intense one and now i've know you've listened to Rhonda, so you know these questions already but I don't think you have them memorized. So number six, what would you say is the biggest risk that you've taken in your life so far? Well, of course, Afghanistan. Oh, yeah. You know, so Afghanistan, for the viewers, I mean, it's it's a war zone over there. There's there's a reason it's voted the most dangerous country in the history of the world mm -hmm. ever. You know, it's... Um, it's, it's a very dangerous place. And even I didn't actually grasp the, the concept that I was going to go there and possibly get killed or risk life and limb. We had talked about it as, as a group of soldiers and things like that. Me and my guys would discuss it, but, uh, you know, knock on wood. One of the first things I actually did was I spoke to my wife and my family and I actually maximized my life insurance and, and around here, it, it sounds a little, a little, little bizarre, but in this community, I can actually get uh, dismemberment insurance as a regular thing, <laughs> my insurance policy. Right. But, but you know, because we're a military community, it's offered. Yeah. And, and it's a good thing I did because, you know, I lost both legs and I had traumatic injuries to the rest of my body as well. Yeah. Um, yeah like, like Afghanistan was uh, a life changer. Um, I, I don't regret everything about it. Of course, I I definitely would have preferred to zig and, and zag instead of getting hit by the bomb, but I mean, yeah. it is what it is. And right. um, everybody has their own personal journey in life. I met people that got crushed by cars. I met people that got shot. I met people uh, all walks of life. And mine is just one of the millions of stories out there that people can 
you know, hear from and then experience. Yeah. But it, it really put it in perspective for me too. When, uh, when I was still able-bodied, you know, people complain like, oh, I had sore feet, my legs hurt, my back is sore. Yeah. That's nothing nowadays. The sore back, oh. I can just walk that off. Who cares? Yeah. Yeah. Different. Definitely something like that is obviously life altering, but gives, gives you a full different perspective from life and you, you do grow from that. And, and I, and I appreciate you sharing your story here today. Of course. Okay. To lighten the mood because Afghanistan. Hey, I've been smiling. I've been smiling the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, number seven funny about the smile what puts a smile on your face uh my family yeah. my friends yeah i i teed up actually with a couple of my guys that i served with in afghanistan uh he was one of my guys he he was a junior soldier back then but now he's a senior soldier because it's been so many years and he contacted me this year and he knows i'm a former uh paratrooper for the military and he says how many jumps do you have and i said 104 well, he contacted me in July and he scheduled for me to go parachuting with him in August in Trenton, Ontario. And that just made my day. It made have me you, feel have like I've done that before. Like prior I, to I did. I, I was I was a full time, I was a paratrooper before. I had 104 jumps and yeah. but, this but, was but my prior, 105th. Okay, so prior to your accident, yeah. you hadn't done it again. No, not since 2007. Oh 2007 was the last time I did jumps. Yeah. How did it feel? Oh, it, it was exhilarating. It was, oh, it was amazing. But I, I mean, that's, know. that's, those are the things that I actually signed up for the military to do. You know, I, I mm. like shooting guns. And of course, you know, every boy's fantasy is to blow stuff up and jump out of airplanes and, you know, yeah. wear the fancy uniforms and stuff like that. But um, yeah, that, that moment meant the world to me to oh. be able to jump out of the plane and, and feel like I did back in the day. You yeah. know, it, it was great. It was awesome. Okay. How was landing? Because I didn't ask I, Tyler. I had Tyler Turner on who actually lost both of his legs in a parachuting accident. And then he has also gone um, since. And I was thinking about it. I don't know why. I didn't, how do you land? It's not as hard as people think. I got okay. asked that question, I think, for the past five or six weeks. Okay. Sorry. Seriously? <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's, a, it's an interesting question. People just don't understand, right? But it's uh, when you have, um, when you're under canopy. Yeah. They give a lot of control with the parachutes as they're coming down, this right. type of parachute anyways. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you just pull the parachute properly at the, at the last second and you just come in for a nice landing, but you just land on your, on your butt. On your butt. Okay. Instead. Okay. Where before you just land on your, on your feet. Yeah. But as a combat paratrooper before, we never landed on our feet because you're still falling at 18 to 22 meters per second with the parachute open. So you can't actually land on your feet as a combat jumper because you're just coming in so fast. So the way I describe it to people is go to the top of your roof, your house, okay, and just jump off <laughs> and, and do, a, do a proper roll onto the grass, like roll onto the grass, don't land on your feet. Just like one of those uh, parkour people would teach you, roll, do a proper yeah. roll. That's exactly what it feels like. <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't do parkour, of course. I'd that. be the worst in the world, right? Wait, what? That's what you train to do, though. That's what I train to do, yeah. Oh, my gosh. 104 and, jumps. And people always ask, too, why do you fall so fast? Yeah. Because yeah. in a wartime situation, people are shooting at you. You have right. to get to the ground incredibly fast. And as a combat jumper, we used to jump at typically, you know, 
anywhere between 600 to 1100 feet. Okay. That's, that's it. I'm just like sitting back feet. in my chair. I'm just like gobsmacked at what you guys do. <laughs> I think it's 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 so commendable. And we, I don't hear about these things. So I appreciate you explaining them. That's wow. I'm jaw dropped. Well, my favorite was always helicopter jumps because we sit on the side of the skiff and then you jump off the helicopter. You basically <laughs> just fall off the side when the, the jump master tells you to go. You have a parachute? And it's you have a parachute and okay. you're jumping, it's at a 1400 foot jump, usually at a helicopter. But you could feel yourself fall from a helicopter, which is bizarre. I think it's more mental. But free falling, you can't feel yourself fall at all. Everybody's terrified, but it's all mental. Uh, so cool. I've never jumped out of a plane. I've only bungee jumped. And I always thought I would be like super <laughs> scared to jump out of a plane. If you could bungee jump, you can you could jump out of a plane for sure. My brother's addicted. He absolutely loves it. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not there yet. Okay. <sighs> This is the best. Thank you so much. Um, okay. Number eight. What was the last show um, that you binged or book that you read? Or oh, Family Guy. Oh, now right. now that I'm now that I'm trapped indoors because the snow is flying on the ground, it's too cold to go outside without freezing to death. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's uh, I need shows that I'll actually go back to back to back to back to back. Especially right. cycling. I'm, I'm, I could be trapped down there two to three hours indoors cycling, which is brutal. Yeah. So you need to distract your mind, right? I mean, so yeah, because that's such a solo sport that yeah. I always wonder yeah. what you guys are thinking about when you are cycling. Are you just like, get to that next tree, get to that next thing? Like, or are I, you like, do, 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 do? I honestly try to just zone out. Okay. I just go zombie mode and just pew, power down and just, <laughs> do, 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 do. just try to dummy mode it and just go. <laughs> Because it, it it takes so much uh, mental fortitude to actually get through such a long race. Seriously, how long it are really the races does. that you're doing? That My you're last doing? race I did was 61k, Gross. and it took me two hours. Sounds disgusting. Yeah, it's it's a lot. <laughs> That's just my first. I honestly, my sport took took thirty seconds. So oh yeah, you guys are done. You guys are done so so quickly. (laughs) Yeah, but but the big difference when you guys crash, uh, you're probably going straight to the hospital. I guess that's different. I I crashed. I did do a crash uh, pre race when I was in Quebec City. I was doing fifty two kilometers, and I took a ninety degree turn, and my bike went right over on me, and I was just I was bleeding all over the place, and uh, the people came running up to me. The the officials and they thought I had to go to the hospital, but I was, I was totally fine. Another member of Team Canada uh, helped me with my bike, and I just actually biked back to my uh, my coach and I said, I don't think I'm going to take the rest of the day just off. Right. Like, yeah, just go back to the hotel. But the mm-hmm. next day for the race, I was I was actually totally fine, and I actually witnessed um, uh, an Olympic rider. Yeah. I don't know what country it was, but they went head first into the area that I went in into these um, into the Same rails. Spot. Same spot. It was just a, a 90 and then another sharp 90. Okay. Knocked themselves out completely clean, cold. I'm like, wow. <laughs> it's, you got it off be, lucky? I got off pretty lucky. And now your bike, you're in one of the sit ones where you just use your arms. Is that correct? Yeah, I, I lay down on my bike. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. 
Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network.